Okay, are y'all ready to get into it? Let's pray, babe. Let's, let's pray. We're going to have to. You want to lead us or you want me? Okay, let's do this. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for being the good groom to us. Uh, Lord, we as your church, we're your bride. And so I pray as, as we talk about marriage and your good gift that you've given us in marriage, I pray that each and every one of us would see you as our groom, you as our, our husband who cares about us, who loves us, who loves us so much that you gave yourself for us. We're so thankful for that. And Lord, as we just reflect on uh, what, what good gift it is to be married, I pray that you would teach every one of us. I know that we've got uh, different relationship statuses present in the room right now. I know that we're not all married, but I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you have something that you still want to teach each and every one of us. And so we open up our hearts and we're receptive to you this morning. We thank you that you would speak in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, so this morning, we want to just share seven learnings from seven years of marriage. That's the goal. And uh, I know that seven years is not much in the long scheme of life. I know we've got many people here who have been married much longer than that. And so this isn't supposed to be something that's the authority on marriage, but at least just observations that we've made, things that we've picked up that the Lord's taught us along the way. And I just want to say that everyone here should be thankful that we haven't been married for 50 years because... 50 learnings from 50 years of marriage would take a really long time to preach. So we can go a little bit quicker this morning just talking about seven things that we've picked up along the way. Yes, and I told Micah, we're going to call these learnings because they are in process even with us. Right. And uh, we definitely don't want to speak from a place of having figured out anything or having arrived at any um, sort of relational mm -hmm. revelation, but it's truly something, the reason the Lord has taught us these lessons is because we stunk at it, because <laughs> he had to challenge us, yeah. you know, to come up higher, to come to a deeper level with him and with each other. So know that we're learning together and mm -hmm. that our hearts are to be real because real is what's helpful to one another in testimony and teaching. Mm -hmm. We don't learn from someone else's perfection, right? We don't right. learn from our own perfection when we get it right the first time, we tend to learn from when we get it wrong. And we right. have to work out, okay, how do I do this better next time? So that's yeah. our hearts is to, we might share some things that we're like, oh man, I, it's a little embarrassing to sometimes put out there, right. but know that in faith, you know, we, we want to be helpful mm -hmm. with what we've learned in our marriage. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So anybody here messed up in relationships? Us wow. and the Jordans, okay? <laughs> We're going to have a life group about how bad we are. Uh, but I, I believe that every single person here can say, you know, whether you're married or not, like, yeah, I've fallen short, I've messed up here or there. And that's what our relationship with Christ is not about being perfect. And we don't want to be perfect. We don't want to act like we're perfect. But it's in the failings, in those shortcomings that we see the goodness of God revealed. And so, so yeah, we're we're pursuing God together. And again, like I said in the prayer is that I, I know that not everybody's married. Not everybody has to be married to pick up a lot of these things are just simple relationship truths, just things that can be applied across the board and even applied to our relationship with God because 
the Apostle Paul writes that as he's talking about marriage, he said this is a great mystery and it speaks to Christ and his church. So if nothing else, we can see that relationship as the bride of Christ that, yeah, I'm in a covenant relationship, whether I'm, I've got a ring on my finger with somebody here on earth or not. I'm in a covenant relationship with Jesus and I'm in relationships with people all over the place and there's things that we can, we can apply here. Except maybe with our first point, yes. which is the awkward one. So we're like, let's get it out of, way, out of the way. Point number one, let's talk about sex, sex in church because too often we let that be something that culture owns, right? Mm-hmm. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, that's for the darkness in the world, <laughs> right? right? And how did we let the world, you know, own something that God created for his people, right? Yeah. I need a witness on that, right? Come on now. <laughs> Praise God for sex. This, this is awkward to talk about. I'm like, babe, this Thank feels, you, Jesus. feels more awkward already than yeah. I expected. Y'all got to help us out here, okay? Yeah, like, so we need encouragement here because it is it's something that we've let the darkness define and the darkness right. publicize and mm-hmm. try to define for us. So um, this is a step for us, and part of our hearts and ministry is claiming back the things that God made that Satan has tried to co-opt from right. his people. So right. And, and so of all the things, we're not going to preach a whole message on sex, okay? It's all right. But uh, at least what we would want to highlight in this, one of our learnings is that um, to, to allow sex to be more than just an act, to move beyond the act of sex and to move towards God's design for us to be intimately connected with our spouse. Um, th- this is something that we've kind of reflected on is that sex as an act and just viewing it as like the mechanics of it, almost anybody can do. I, we were watching a show recently when someone, a mom was having the talk with her child and said, oh, well, you know, the hounds at our vacation home did it. Nobody taught them. And that was all she said to her daughter. It just of like, oh, it's natural. You, you'll figure it out. And yeah, there are some things that just the, the mechanics of it as anybody can do, but not it's, it's not just about the mechanics. God designed this to be something where we are connected, where we see one another closely, where we are seen, where we can be vulnerable with one another. And if we move beyond just how often are we doing it, I'm not going to get into too many specifics. Y'all don't want that. But not just the mechanics of it, but how are we allowing ourselves to be seen by one another? How are we letting God into this to help us be intimate and connected uh, to, to really be seen and known. Yeah, and I, I think it's important, you know, we're calling it sex plus um, mm-hmm. because, yeah, it's not impressive to experience just sex in the most basic biological form that mammals and, you know, are created yeah. to do. But what makes it special is that God um, did give us the gift of further intimacy. When we look at when God right. created man and wife in the garden, which you can find um, what we're going to refer to is in Genesis 2, um, starting in verse 18, all the mm-hmm. way through verses, verse 25. Um, but he creates Eve out of Adam. So they were already in this, this unity together when God originally breathed life into man. And then he pulls woman out of man Mm-hmm. And then he brings them back together and you have this beautiful moment, kind of this poetic revelation from Adam to say, you are bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And then Moses, who's writing about this creation account um, years and years later, he says, and this is the reason why 
a man will leave his mother and father and cling to his wife and they'll mm-hmm. become one flesh. Yeah. And so that one flesh, obviously it's the consummation of marriage, but it should be so much more. Because to mm-hmm. me, what sticks out is that right after um, he says that in verse 24, verse 25 says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. And I just think about what it truly means to be naked with your spouse and naked, not just in body, but emotionally vulnerable Mm -hmm. and to let somebody fully see you, even Mm -hmm. the parts that you would like to hide and you hope nobody ever peers into that, but to be that fully exposed to one another and still believe that someone can love you, love you enough to see you in vulnerability and still say you're mine, you know? And so that's what, you know, when we say sex plus as Christians, we should be operating in, you know, this, deep spiritual understanding of sex Mm -hmm. that our culture can't even understand. Um, And a lot of times our culture does try to make it as casual as possible. We have this idea that flings, one night stands, that's really where the magic can happen, you know, this unattached wild night. Mm -hmm. And that's, that couldn't be further from the truth of what God intended when he created this gift for husbands and wives. So we just want to start chipping away at, and you know, maybe bad ideas that we've internalized about sex Mm -hmm. or that bad ideas our culture tries to message and just reclaim what God intended for it to be. Right. Um, And also knowing that sex, I'm sure we've only been married seven years, but it's had to change for us. Mm -hmm. You know, once you start having babies and once just things will change. And I imagine when we've been married 50 years, we'll have even a brand new perspective, Mm -hmm. um, a lot still to learn. But if your goal is intimacy, through that union together, you know, that's something the Lord can really use. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, even just, again, coming back to we want to be real, we haven't, this is something that, these are learnings. There were times, especially early on in marriage, where I'm like, man, this is great. This is, we're, we're both having a good time, right? And no, no and that I, was not the case. I'm going to, can I share this? Go ahead. This is the depths of despair in our relationship, right? <laughs> We had this We're being beautiful, vulnerable yeah, here's some vulnerability. Right I didn't plan to share this, right? but we had this beautiful courtship, everything, mm-hmm. so excited to get married. And I remember Micah at one point just expressing, right, his satisfaction in sex. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is bad because Micah, I was going to tell you, I'm afraid that I actually have the gift of singleness <laughs> and I probably wasn't supposed to get married to you <laughs> because I'm not feeling this. Like right. it just wasn't we were missing each other yeah. so bad because I think early in marriage, we were too focused on the mechanics yeah. and we weren't striving for that intimacy. And yeah. so no matter where you're at in marriage, I think we can all go deeper. And right. even just whether it's something you're comfortable talking about together or wh- whether that's intimidating, mm-hmm. start not just talking to each other, but talking to God about it right? and what he wants to bring through revelation in that aspect of your marriage. Cause for sure he has things to say about it. Right. Um, and to say to our hearts and how we can connect and see each other better. So yeah, thankfully yeah. W- the Lord has, as we've surrendered this, I've learned, I didn't, I didn't miss my calling as a single person and <laughs> fall into marriage <laughs> as a mistake. So praise the Lord he's for that. Helping us. But yeah, so let's go to the source. God created it. Let's go to him about it and, and learn from him. So, so anyway, we as Christians, we should be experiencing sex plus, not just sex as a baseline. Everybody say amen. 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 So the next one that we want to talk about is another one. So these first two, we wanted to get the really, you know, the hot buttons out of the way. 
because we don't talk about it as as much. We don't normalize it as much. The next thing we want to talk about a learning for us is to fight the good fight. And I'm not talking about fighting the good fight of faith right now. I'm talking about literally fighting with your spouse. Uh, conflict is something that I feel like we don't talk about as much for marriages and normalize the fact that, yes, spouses have disagreements. Spouses have arguments. Spouses fight. And that doesn't mean that you married the wrong person. It doesn't mean, like, if, if things are not always peachy and rosy, that doesn't mean that you missed it and that you need to go find someone else who's your soulmate because they wouldn't be as conflictual with you. No, conflict happens in all relationships. And conflict happens with the person that you spend most of your life with. And so it it makes sense that we would fight. And a disclaimer, you want to talk? Well, when when we say the word fight, especially in the context of marriage, each one of us has a different picture of that word because of our experiences. Depending on the home we were raised in, depending on the Um, relationships we've experienced. And so we do want to be really clear when we talk about fighting the good fight that we're not at all trying to condone abusive situations, Mm -hmm. whether it's physical, emotional, verbal abuse. That's not what we're, you know, a lot of us have seen that and sadly experienced that. And that's Mm -hmm. not the good fight that we're talking about. So when we're using this word to make this point, um, yeah, don't, don't let the enemy let you hear what we're not saying. Does that make sense? Um, And then also, I I think we want to say as pastors too, um, if you do find yourself in a, in a tough situation like that, where, you know what, our fighting, we have crossed some, some lines. It's not healthy. You know, we've, Mm -hmm. um, we've done some things. We need to change our pattern of how we fight. You know, we, whether it's us or somebody else in this church, we'd love to kind of counsel and help walk through how do I, how do I start fighting well? instead of fighting against my spouse, but fighting right. alongside my spouse. And that's what we're talking about with the good fight in right. marriage. is Because you're going you're gonna to come into conflict. You're going to have your moody days when just everything this mm-hmm. person does just grinds against. I mean, am I the only one who has that sometimes? Micah walks in the door. I've been so excited I for him to get too. home, and he gets here, and I'm like, everything you do is wrong. You <laughs> Why know? did I want you here? Ah, go back to work. You know? <laughs> no, um. So these things are inev- inevitably going to happen because we're humans and we're humans in marriage. So it's going to get messy, but let's learn how to fight well. That's something we're, one of our learnings in marriage together. Right. Because as we do that, you know, in fighting well, there's opportunity there. Uh, a lot of times we think that if we fight, if we argue, that means the relationship's rocky. It means we don't, uh, you know, we, we can't connect with our spouse. no conflict, again, not abuse, because the emotional abuse that is always maybe someone threatening to leave the relationship as a way of coercing someone in an argument. That's not healthy. But if we know that we're connected, we know that we're on the same team and we care about one another, then conflict can be something where we actually get to see one another's hearts a little bit more clearly. You see what the person cares about. We, we were talking about this as we were preparing this message. Some of the biggest fights that we've had as we pushed through, as we tried to connect, we realized at the end, oh man, that was because you were feeling that way because you really wanted me to, to protect you more in this situation. And now I, I see what you're wanting out of me and I can do that a little bit better. Or, or vice versa, we see what we truly desire out of one another. We see what our needs are what our values are, and it's a way for us to be able to connect truly. 
conflict can be a connective point. And so it's not something that we need to run from. But again, just like with sex, include God in it. God, we're fighting. God, we are upset at each other all the time. What is going on here? And allow the Holy Spirit, the great teacher, to point us in the direction of how we can connect with our spouse. So in this, we, uh, our, our minds, we went to Proverbs 27. In Proverbs 27, 6, it says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but profuse are the kisses of an enemy. So faithful are the wounds of a friend. It, can, it hurts to be in conflict. I don't <laughs> like fighting with Callie, but she just does things wrong all the time <laughs> that I have to. No, hey. JK, LOL. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But... I don't want to fight with Callie. She doesn't want to fight with me. It's not fun. It's not awesome. But as we lean into it and really fight the good fight, enter into conflict with the goal not of winning. We don't fight fights to win because we always lose if we do that. We fight fights to connect. And if we can do that, then I'll find, man, faithful are the wounds of what happens here because I realize that she really cares about me and I can get closer to her and I can be seen and loved by her and in that experience the love of God that he has for me. So fighting can be good. Let's yeah, fight the good and fight. I feel like I've heard before uh, pastors say the good fight is the fight you win. But I feel like in marriage, the good fight is the fight where you understand at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even that's something the Holy Spirit has been trying to get a hold of our hearts in when we feel that flare up, right? When you feel that irritation and that stress and you feel the fight coming on, mm-hmm. um, you know, instead of trying to win, I want you to see it my way. Really yeah. recognizing that, no, 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 I win when I see his heart mm-hmm. and when I get to show him mine. And sometimes that takes an intense moment of fellowship, as I've heard some church people call it. But I just, I really want freedom, like for couples in the house to feel freedom that it's fights happen. And it doesn't mean that your marriage is broken and that there's no hope, but it's something we can surrender to the Lord and um, he can grow us in intimacy in that moment. All those, those recurring moments, I should say. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So along that same note, fighting right, the next one, uh, a learning for us, simple, basic, doesn't mean that it's not profound. Say, I'm sorry. Guys, look at your wives real quick and just repeat after me. I'm sorry. I'm not hearing it loud enough. I'm not getting a good enough witness here. Say, I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, if you have no problem saying that you're sorry because you're never wrong, this point is for you, okay? <laughs> Say, I am sorry. Again, this goes along. If we're going to fight the good fight, this is included. This is a part of the good fight because we will say things. We will mess things up. We will go wrong in whatever area, and we have to be ready, willing, always able to say, I'm sorry, This is simple, but it is absolutely profound for us. Church, can I get a witness that the religion that we are in, the us following Christ, being called Christians, begins and is sustained by an act of repentance. Jesus says, whenever he announces his kingdom, he says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
Jesus calls us constantly into repentance. We, if there is a defining factor of the Christian life, it's this ability to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. God, I'm sorry, I was wrong. I'm not living right. Show me how to change. Help me to repent. And so our relationship with our spouse, or if, if you're not married, your relationship with close family members, friends, people who you care about, the ability to be wrong in that relationship, the ability to say, I'm sorry, what better practice for kingdom living? Thank God for the gift of a spouse that we can be wrong with and say, I was wrong. Honey, you are right. I like being on this end of the apology, (laughs) but... (laughs) I like it when, you know, it's flipped. But don't we all, though, right? But that's the part of marriage is giving what we want to receive. If we want to, if we want a partner that is soft-hearted and humble and ready to say, I'm sorry, then we got to sow that into the relationship. You reap what you sow. I want to sow apology. I want to sow soft-heartedness and being willing to say that I'm wrong whenever I'm wrong. Yeah, and I, I know Micah was kind of coming after husbands, but I, I think wives, we struggle with it too. And I sometimes our pride might look different, but um, a lot of us, those words are hard for us to own as well. So I really, I hope for all of us mm-hmm. in all of our earthly relationships, that's something we can grow in together is the humility, humility to, to apologize. Yeah, and so on apologies, just a few basic tips to make apologies good. Let's apologize well. One thing is never say, I'm sorry, but. Right? This is good free advice, right? If you're taking notes, especially young in marriage, (laughs) we had a lot of apologies with buts that just cycled us right back into the the problem, right back into the fight. You know, I'm sorry that, you know, I said that to you, but you first said to me. (laughs) Right. You know, and then we're just back in it. No one's actually sorry. Yeah. No one's actually healing hearts right Mm -hmm. now. Yeah. So saying the word sorry doesn't necessarily, if it's followed by a but, Mm -mm. it's not a sorry. And another thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, although you still, yeah. So take the heart behind (laughs) this. Another thing is don't say, I'm sorry, you. I'm sorry you took it that way. I'm sorry you felt that today. I'm sorry you, no. No. If it's an I'm sorry you, that's not an apology either. An I'm sorry really owns and takes responsibility for what I just did to the relationship, what I just put out there. So let's let's do sorries that own what, yeah. what we've done. And this one's not in the notes, but my husband, I love about his heart that he's a peacemaker. He mm. strives in all his earthly relationships. He likes things to be at peace right. and people to be, you know, happy together. So this is something even in our marriage, mm-hmm. sometimes Micah rushes to the I'm sorry because he, he knows it's the step to healing. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, I heard you say that, but I don't, I don't think, I don't think we're there yet. Like, yeah. I don't think our hearts are in it. And so we sometimes call each other out when it's sometimes mm-hmm. we've rushed through the right words because we know we are going to heal and we mm-hmm. want to get there. But um, even just knowing your heart well enough that when you say those words, you mean it. Right. And you're, you're not, you're not adding the butt in your head. You're not adding the, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, but this is your fault <laughs> in your head, but you've truly come to a place where you want healing and you want to own your part in the fight. Yeah. So, yeah, and that's a place to pray because sometimes that's, for me, it's just anxiety about like, I want us to be okay. I want us to be all right. I want things to be, you know, hunky-dory. And it's not necessarily that we're ready to connect and mend. It's just that I want to get this out of the way. 
And so, again, discern your heart and pray to the Lord. Because I'll find myself, God, I want us to be good. And so I'll have to go to him first and say, God, help my heart here. Help her heart because I want to get to this place of connection. But I don't want to just rush it and say, I'm sorry, let's forget about it. Because sometimes that's running away from a conflict. And again, fight the good fight. So uh, there's balance there. And on, on this note, getting to point number four, saying, I forgive you. We mm-hmm. probably, this isn't a, this is a recent lesson the Lord has taught us because so long in our marriage, it was, you know, hey, babe, I'm sorry. And, mm-hmm. and what would we say? It's okay. <laughs> right. It's okay. It's all good. Whatever. It's always this like, it, I, I don't know. And the Lord convicted us that we were kind of going through the motions again, trying to microwave our healing, trying to get there fast mm-hmm. to make it okay. But we weren't really extending genuine grace and forgiveness to one of one another in our marriage. And so even cultivating in your heart how to receive an apology and to let that debt go, right? I think mm-hmm. we have a picture of chains breaking off to say like, I'm going to, I'm going to let you free of this. Like, yeah. I feel like you did wound me, mm-hmm. but I'm going to set you free. You don't owe me anything. I forgive you. Yeah. And honestly, our biggest lesson in this together has come from our beautiful little angel, Eden, mm-hmm. who, um, she has this incredibly graceful way of articulating her forgiveness, and it has taught us so much. But we try to, to um, just like we told you guys, we want to lead from a place of real, not a place mm-hmm. of perfect. And so even with her, you know, sometimes we lose our temper or we, do, we mishandle her in some way, mm-hmm. and we'll get on her level and say, you know, like, Eden, I'm sorry, like, mommy messed up. Like, I shouldn't have yelled at you. I shouldn't have, you know, done whatever I did. And, and I'm sorry that I did that. And she, like, almost every time that we apologize <laughs> to her will say, silly mommy. Or if it's <laughs> Micah, silly daddy. And she just lets it roll right off. And she's taught us so much mm-hmm. about what it means to let go a debt mm-hmm. through that action. Because right. even just the way she says that, it's like, I know, I know that's not who you are. You did something so silly, and I'm just going to laugh it off. Like, I'm going to let that go. And I know we have in marriage deeper wounds at times, and it, it might take more time to really get to that place where we can yeah. let go what our spouse has done. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. That's something we strive for, and we've started saying yeah. that to each other. It's like, ah, oh, silly, silly Micah, silly Callie. <laughs> like we, on those little yeah. things, let's just let it roll off, yeah. you know, and don't even let that take root, yeah. um, but forgive quickly mm-hmm. on those things. Yeah, and again, knowing that sometimes there are bigger things that we do to one another in marriage than just these simple things that maybe we've been, you know, mean to our two-year-old. Uh, those things as they, even if they pile up, it's like there's a snowball effect of repentance and forgiveness. Even in the Lord's Prayer, if you go and see what Jesus said, he said, pray like this. And part of that prayer was, Lord, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. God, forgive us as we forgive. And so sowing this repentance and sowing forgiveness, even if it feels like a huge debt, even if it feels like it's piling up, sow some forgiveness into that even if it's hard, even if it's difficult, and pray that the Lord would help you because that's going to snowball into a relationship of repenting before one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven us. So, so sow that into the relationship. And do you have anything else to say on that? Or 
Okay, so, so then speaking of sowing things into the relationship, our next learning and encouragement to you is to keep on the rose-colored glasses. Mm-hmm. I like this one. Go ahead. Because when we talk about, you know, we have this saying in our culture about rose-colored glasses. And typically when we talk about it, we're making fun of the person with the glasses on, right? Right. Like we use this metaphor to say, you know, these people aren't seeing reality. Mm-hmm. They're just seeing this beautiful, like candy-coated picture of the world. They're not really facing the harsh truth, right? They're seeing everything through this pretty lens. Right. And so even sometimes we might talk about a young couple, like, oh, they've just got the rose-colored glasses on, puppy love. Mm-hmm. And we say it as, you know, dismissing naivety, right. but mm-hmm. that's something that we've learned in our own marriages to recover those glasses as much as possible and choose to see your spouse through a positive lens as opposed to a negative lens. Um, And are you going to read the scripture? Okay. Yeah. So this, like, as we were thinking about this, keeping these rose colored glasses on, this is what the apostle Paul says about love Uh, in first Corinthians 13, starting in verse four, he says, love is patient and kind Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And perk your ears up here. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How he's describing love is like a relentless belief a relentless hope, a relentless enduring ability, again, to keep these rose-colored glasses on, to see your spouse in a positive light. And I know this sounds a little bit trite, right? I've been married for however many years. The rose-colored glasses fell off a long time ago. They're broken. (laughs) They ain't there no more. Well, I'm telling you right now, they're there. You can put them on. You can see your spouse through rose-colored glasses. And this is what my encouragement would be to you. If you feel like this is one of those puppy love kind of points, like we've moved beyond this, I would encourage you to dedicate more time to praying for your spouse. Pray for your spouse. A pastor that uh, we know and care about spoke into our lives one time and said, you have grace and you have mercy for what you pray for. And it's worked in our relationships, even not just with us, but like difficulties with in-laws and, you know, people that we just keep butting heads with. As we start to pray for them, we start to have more grace. We start to see through more rose-colored glasses. We start to see people in more positive light. And I'm telling you, that happens with your spouse as well. If the rose-colored glasses have fallen off, pray for your spouse. Pray more. Pray diligently. uh, And even ask that God would allow you to see your spouse the way that he sees them. Because get this, if you feel like you can't see your spouse through rose-colored glasses, I promise you that the Father in heaven sees them through rose-colored glasses. Sees them through blood-tinted, red-shaded glasses of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for them. He sees them through and in that light. And so if we're asking God, Lord, give me your eyes to see, give me your eyes to see Callie the way that you see her. If I could ask that the Holy Spirit would give me the ability to see Callie the way that he sees her, it's going to be a, a, a rosy shade. It's going to be a rosy thing that I'm seeing. And maybe there's some skepticism of like, oh, well, I don't want to just be 
too head over heels. You know, you could get taken advantage of. You can get walked all over if you're just only seeing the good. Well, guess what? To love at all is to be vulnerable. Stole that, but I'm using it anyway. To lo- any kind of love, it requires vulnerability. It requires us to have some kind of opportunity to be stepped on, to be walked on. But in Christ, we have to be able to see our spouse through these rose-colored glasses. Yeah, and when we as um, wives or husbands start feeling secure that, you know what, I know that my spouse, even in spite of my failures, they look for the best in me and they try to cultivate the best in me. That makes a place where we can start sharing even the harder, the uglier things. We get closer to that Mm -hmm. naked and unashamed when we build that trust that even when I show you my ugly, you're not going to run away, Mm -hmm. but you're going to help me deal with it. And um, because you're seeing me how Christ sees me, you're Mm -hmm. seeing me with the patience of the Holy Spirit who travails with me through my bad attitudes every day. And so, um, yeah, think about that of how we can see our spouse's the way that God does and give us those lens to see as well. Right. And so uh, our next learning is uh, learning to make your spouse's cup of tea, learning to make their cup of tea. What we mean by this, you know, maybe you've heard that expression of, oh, well, you know, that's all well and good, but that's not necessarily my cup of tea. Uh, You know, giving a back rub is not my cup of tea. Or doing the dishes, ah, that's not my cup of tea. That's not my thing. Not my, not my deal. Well, you're not making tea for yourself in marriage. Newsflash. The tea's not for you. So make your spouse's cup of tea. Learn what they like. Learn what they want and do it for them. Let be, become an expert on your spouse. Not just in how you like to and how you like to show your love, but learn how they receive it. Learn what their cup of tea is. And, and make that for them. Yeah, and I love the verse Philippians 2, 4. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And if we're called mm-hmm. to do that just among brothers and sisters in the church, how much more with our spouse, right? Our most intimate relationship. Should we be looking to right. satisfy the interests and needs of your spouse? Again, the way that their needs are met. And a lot of people might be familiar with um, the teachings on the love languages, And that Mm -hmm. can be really helpful in marriage. And if anybody's interested, we can kind of talk more and Mm -hmm. point you to some resources um, at another time. But yeah, learning how to meet each other's needs, not the way we want ours met, but the way that I need to meet Micah's needs, how he wants met. And this is something we're always growing in because we tend to be very opposite on, Mm -hmm. on this. Yeah. Even, okay, talking about being real and just honest, vulnerable. In our, first, in our first month of marriage, we had a moment where I tried to make my own cup of tea for Callie. Uh, so, you know, she's in the shower. I'm like, hey, this is going to be a good night to make some love, you know, enjoy ourselves a little bit. And so I, making a cup of tea that I assumed was mutual, uh, I lay out some lingerie down on the bed. and like, oh, she's going to come out of the shower and see this. And she's going to think, oh, wow, this is so much fun. This is going to be a great idea right now. She came to that and was like, oh, this is how you're going to tell me that you're interested? Oh, this, this is how we're bringing it up now? It was, I'll tell you this, it was not a cup of tea that she enjoyed. Nobody was drinking tea that night. <laughs> no, Nobody. No tea was drank. We can't be the only ones, right? Yeah. Where you've, especially when it comes to meeting those physical needs where you right. just missed each other. Like yeah. maybe even crashed and burned. <laughs> as, yeah. I'd forgotten about that, but yeah. 
Yeah. I remember it. It stuck with me. <laughs> I'm like, okay, making tea a different way next time. All right. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing. Again, we, we got to find out, okay, what, what is she going to be interested in? Not just sexually, but like just in general, what, what's going to make her happy? What's going to meet her needs? And that's where we find that mutually we get our needs met when we learn how to make their cup of tea. So just being honest over here. Yeah. Honest, yeah. even when it hurts sometimes. <laughs> um, so now let's move on to um, our final learning from marriage mm. is that in a good marriage, there's really no such thing as coasting. Mm -hmm. You can't just set it on cruise control, autopilot, and walk away. But it is a garden to be continually cultivated. Yeah. And we're going to have seasons, especially if you're spending life together, you're going to have seasons where this mm -hmm. happens more naturally and you've got all the feelings behind it. Then you're going to have some seasons of travailing mm -hmm. where you have to really purpose that, you know, even though all these factors in our lives are trying to maybe pull our attention other directions, we're going to, on purpose, mm -hmm. choose to cultivate this relationship yeah. and not just focus on the kids or just focus on the job or just focus on the work and the ministry, mm -hmm. but to have to, whoa, 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 like slow it down yeah. and let's purposefully invest right here. Because right. there's, you know, there's a saying about Sometimes the grass looks greener on the other side, right? You can look at other relationships and think, man, they've just got it figured out. Soulmates, they probably never fight, you know, they, right. whatever. But the grass is green where you water it, right? The mm -hmm. garden grows where you pull the weeds out mm -hmm. and where you get dirty and grimy in the dirt. Yeah. That's where you see fruit. And so this isn't really a fun point. Mm -hmm. I think I thought, hey, we're sowing good seeds early in our marriage, mm -hmm. like, you know, it's going to be this beautiful blossoming tree that we just get to enjoy the shade of. And mm -hmm. it's like, that's not the case. Like yeah. as soon as you let off the gas and pursuing and striving mm -hmm. to know your spouse, like distance, the enemy so wants to destroy what God has put together. Right. That distance tries to creep in when we're unintentional with each other. Right, right. Yeah, because that's kind of just the nature of sin, the nature of our human brokenness is that the natural gravitational pull is away from one another. The natural, even in our relationship with God, if we're just taking our hands off the wheel and, you know, just, hey, I've been in church a whole long portion of my life, like we're good. The gravitational pull is away from the things of God that our flesh wants to draw us further away. And it's the same in our relationship with our spouse. If, if it's just unchecked and untouched, the, the pull is going to be away. And the thing about this is, is that everybody is headed somewhere. Everybody's going somewhere, but not everybody is going somewhere on purpose. And so if you're going somewhere in your marriage and it's not purposeful, it's not uh, pointed, we've seen and are still seeing in front of us relationships that are falling apart. People who are getting divorced and thinking, I don't know how I got to this place. You know, maybe you've heard that a lot before. Like, I don't know how we got here. Well, that, that's honestly true in a lot of cases is that sometimes you, relationships like that, you don't know how they got there. But a lot of times the, the relationships that stick together and stay close and are pursuing one another, pursuing Christ, they know how they got there. They know that it took work to connect with one another, that it took uh, a lot of diligent and intentional, purposeful action 
to try to stay connected and close. And so we just encourage you wherever you're at, because this is one of those ones we, we save for the end, because no matter how good your relationship is, no matter how awesome and powerful things are, and on the other end, no matter how bad it is, you might be in this room right now and think, man, my relationship feels like it's in the dumps right now. No matter where you're at, you can be purposeful today in how you're going to pursue your spouse. You can make choices and decisions today to pursue them more diligently and to pursue Christ more diligently. Again, whether you're married or not, this all connects with our relationship with God. You can make a choice, no matter how far you feel like you are from God, no matter how close you feel like you are from, to God, you can do things today that are purposeful, that are direct, that are pursuing closeness, intimacy in that relationship, and it's a part of the watering again. Yeah. Um, and in closing, you know, we want to give some time to respond to the Lord, and maybe for some of us there's even, if we're here with our spouses, maybe a response that we want to have together. But um, one thing we were feeling so heavy on our hearts, and we've been feeling it over the past year, and um, is just we want to be a church that loves and supports families Mm-hmm. And, you know, marriages are at the, the center of that. And so even within this church, I pray, one of my prayers as we've been leading up to this message is that we would find our people, hopefully in this room, we can find people who love our families and love our marriages, even at the times when we are ready to give up and we are mm-hmm. ready to send them away, you know, yeah. um, that we've got somebody who can speak that love and say, you know what? I love you guys together. And God has such a calling on your home and on your family, and it's worth fighting for. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And I know it's hard to be that vulnerable with people. It's hard to be vulnerable mm-hmm. in, in the intimacy of marriage. Yeah. But that's what I'm, I'm praying is that we will have people who have our backs and support mm-hmm. us in what God's called us to. And, um, and that we would be that city on a hill that mm-hmm. even among our community, people would see like, you know what, they've got something figured out. Like there's some, some families in there that were so dysfunctional, but they started going to that church and they started, you know, serving Mm -hmm. the Lord and something shifted. And I want that to just be an anointing that this house, not, not the room itself, but this house of people that this family, this community of faith carries with us is a mission to uphold and encourage the families that are represented here. Even if it's a family that looks different than, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've all got different pasts and stories and things that we've gone through, but but God cares about you and your family. And we desperately care about you and your family and want to help support um, each family, each house that's represented here. Um, So that's one thing even I hope we can be praying about together Mm -hmm. is, you know, God show me how to show love to my brothers and sisters here and to speak life over the marriages and families that I walk with in this church, in this community. Right. And that vision of having the healthiest, best families, marriages, it's a beautiful vision, but the road to get there is full of dirt and it's got all kinds of difficulty and messiness in it. And so if we're not willing to be a part of that, if we can't be a part of someone's lowest, darkest night of marriage, then we have no right being a part of their success story on the other side and being a part of that testimony. And so it's going to require us being able to be honest and vulnerable with one another. Again, talking about 
relationships that we've seen just reach a point where I don't know how we got here. I don't know what to do now. And it seems like at this point, separating is the only option. If you could rewind just a, a few months, a few years, whatever, where it's a seed of something, something that's smaller, it's hard to talk about. It's difficult to talk about problems that we're having in our relationship. But if we could just find someone who can pray for us, who can point us to Christ, who can love our marriages, like Callie said, even when it's difficult for us to to be in them, if we can find somebody who could support that, man, if we can get dirty with one another, if we can really be in the trenches and care about one another's marriages, God can do something really powerful with it. So so that's our encouragement is uh, just... Some, some encouragement to, to find somebody to pray with. I want to go ahead and ask our ministry teams uh, to come forward, and, and we'll have some time of prayer. If you want to come with your spouse to the front uh, and receive some prayer, receive some agreement, uh, I want you to feel free to do that. And again, let's take away any kind of stigma. Oh, somebody came to the front and got prayer as a married couple. What could they be? Who cheated on who? No, okay? That's not what this is about. Every single person, every single marriage, every single relationship can use work, all right? Some of the things that we talked about just now, we could probably use some prayer over, all right? We can can go ask somebody to, to pray over us. And so there's no shame in that. But again, if we're going to have this fruitful garden of a beautiful marriage, it requires getting our hands in the dirt a little bit and sowing towards that, watering that. And if it's, if it's not for your marriage, if it's for yourself, your relationship with Christ, again, there are many things that we've talked about this morning that the marriage speaks to Christ and his church. If, you, if any of these things stuck out to you, you're like, I want to be a person who sows forgiveness and repentance more easily, or, or if I want to take some steps right now to be purposeful in my relationship with God where I've allowed things to coast, anything, let's come and receive some prayer and also experience the grace and goodness of God in and through people in this church. So if you, if you would allow me, I want to pray over you right now, and then I just want to, to welcome everyone who wants it to come and receive prayer. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you empower us to love, that you give us the grace and the strength that we need to do all of these things that you've asked. Lord, we know that repentance isn't easy, that forgiveness doesn't come cheaply, but God, you give us the grace and you give us the ability to do it. So I pray, Lord, right now that you would work on hearts for husbands and wives. I pray that you would soften things up, till the ground maybe that became hard and became difficult to penetrate in their hearts. Lord, I pray that you would till that ground, make our hearts soft to one another. And Lord, as we open up to one another and are soft to each other, I thank you that we would see your goodness and your grace shine a light in our lives. Thank you, God, that as you draw us closer to our our loved ones, that you would draw us closer to yourself. Lord, anyone here who uh, who would desire to, to be more purposeful in their relationship with you or in their relationship to their loved ones. God, I pray that you would give them the grace and the strength to take whatever next step it is, whether it's to receive prayer, whether it's to, to just be honest and open with you. God, whatever that next step is, I pray that you would empower us, give us boldness to do it. And thank you, Lord Jesus, that this is going to be a church of healthy families of healthy marriages. This is going to be a church that has 
good, close relationships. Lord, even those that are outside of family, I thank you that we would just be the best connected and relational people that we have around here. And I thank you that that would be a light that speaks to your goodness and to your glory. God, as we do that, draw us closer to one another and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, well, church, we want to leave the altar open. Come and receive prayer before you leave. But if you would, stand. I just want to speak one final blessing over you, and then we'll be dismissed. I pray that the Lord would direct each and every one of your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you all, and be blessed.